Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. Luke chapter 2 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I was probably around four or five years old. I was standing somewhere between the kitchen window where my mum was doing the washing up and the fence in our backyard, which if I go back now is probably going to be about this high. But to me, it felt like it was massive. So there wasn't much sky to be seen between the fence on one side and the kitchen window on the other side. And it was Christmas time. I love Christmas time. My favorite time of year for so many different reasons. And all of a sudden, I could hear carols singing. And I could hear it coming down the street. And I thought, wow, there's some carol singers from a local church or something like that that are coming around the neighborhood. But as I listened and the carols got closer, I began to realize these carols are not coming down the street. They're coming through the backyards. High fences, every single one of them. And these carols are coming through those backyards. So I looked to the fence up here, wherever I was, from down below. And all of a sudden, across the top of the fence came a multitude of angels. As surely as I'm standing here. They were probably along the front. They were straight line along the front. I don't know how many there was of them along the front. Maybe 20, 30, 40 of them. They were the same number deep as they were across. And they came across the sky in a square singing carols and praising God. One square after another square after another square, after another square, until I ran out the back of the house and looked out, and the whole of the sky from one end to the other was filled with multitudes of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on those on earth on whom his favor rests. There are moments in time when God empties heaven. 
That was just a glimmer. But I think of that sometimes. I think of those warrior angels flying over the Ukraine today. Bullets, bombs, shells, and warrior angels. I think of that over all the troubles and the pains of our world. Warrior angels. If we could see what heaven sees, we would never be afraid again. This first Christmas, heaven was well and truly emptied. It says there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. That's a, a word that we think means a lot. The Greek word means fullness. Everything. That resonates with what the writer to Hebrews says when he says, when God sends his son into the world, meaning the father sending Jesus into the world, God says, let all God's angels worship him. And in that singular moment, all the worship of heaven that had been gathered around the Father and His Son and their throne in heaven suddenly has a new focus. It is moved away from that throne in heaven by the will of the Father who sits on that throne in heaven. And all of the focus of the worship of heaven comes down to a manger in Bethlehem and a little baby who lies in that manger. Let all God's angels worship him. Why are they worshipping? Who are they worshipping? For to you this day is born in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? When the angel came before the heavenly host arrived, he said, I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. The word for joy in Greek is chara, joy. This is not chara. This is mega chara. Literally in the Greek. Megas chara. Great joy. There's only two times in Luke's gospel he talks about great joy. Once at the end, once at the beginning. It begins with Jesus, his coming to earth. It ends with Jesus going into heaven, which you would have thought might be, oh, that's the end of great joy. But it says the disciples left with great joy. That joy hadn't left them because the physical body of Jesus had left them because the presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit would always remain with them. The angel says great joy. Megas chara. 
And I believe what the Lord wants to say to us this morning is it's okay to be joyful this Christmas. It's okay to be joyful. There is a lot of pain and suffering in our world, isn't there? There's a lot of trouble all over the world. There's people sitting here this morning and they work at Inner City Youth Alive in the North End. We have broken the murder rate in Winnipeg by a long way this year. It was 44. It was already by the beginning of last week 50 people murdered in this city. Of those 50 people murdered, 44 of them were murdered in the North End. Of those 44 people murdered in the North End, those people sitting in this room knew 41 of those people. That's a lot of pain to carry in your heart at Christmas time, isn't it? You might have pain in your heart this Christmas too. Joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is not even a twist on pain. Charlie Chaplin, one of the funniest people ever, said, true laughter comes when you take pain and you play with it. Which is why when you watch his films, they're full of painful things that he tries to make funny. Joy is not trying to make painful things funny. Joy is having Jesus in your pain with you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. When the angels said great joy, they knew what they were talking about. They were not bringing some message that was foreign to their experience. We're going to bring you something that's great joy. We don't know what this is going to feel like, but I'm sure it's going to be wonderful for you. They brought great joy because this was their eternal experience. Great joy is where God lives. Psalm 16 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. And then it goes on to say, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's great joy in heaven. There's pleasures at the right hand of God. What is the pleasure at the right hand of God that creates the joy in heaven and makes it joyful for everybody else? Well, who sits at the right hand of the Father of God in heaven? Jesus. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When the angels said, there's great joy coming, they were saying there's something, something coming down from heaven, someone coming down from heaven, and you have no idea what he is going to do for you upon the earth. Because he's going to bring heaven to where you live. He's going to bring the atmosphere of heaven into this dark and broken, painful, suffering world. Because he and his Father in heaven are the source of all 
joy. Joy is not presents. They can be nice. Joy is a person. It's Jesus. Joy cannot be found in performance. How well we do, how badly we do, how well our world's going badly. Joy is found in a person. And you might have pain in your life this Christmas. You might have suffering in your life this Christmas. And Jesus is not unmindful of your pain and suffering. But you can still have joy. And this world needs a joyful church. Depression rates are through the roof. I talked to you about the murder rates in our city. The suicide rates are another thing. And in our province. It's horrendous what happens. Young people throwing their lives away because they have no hope of anything ever changing. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering in our world. That bit about for unto us a child is born is Isaiah 9. And it starts with talking about darkness and gloom and despair. Let me read it to you. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. When Jesus went to the cross, he broke the yoke of the oppressor. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. We have great reason for hope. We've been talking about the Advent season over the last few weeks. Delba talked to us about hope and the rope of hope, if you remember. We have great reason for peace. We have great reason for love because God is love, as we have shown last week. But we have great reason for joy. Because Jesus, the greatest joy bringer ever, has brought the joy of heaven to earth. Charles Wesley put it this way. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy gracious mercies crown. Joy of heaven to earth come down. In the midst of whatever happens in our lives this Christmas, we can have joy because Jesus is here. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, we'd love to introduce you to him. All the pain and the suffering of this world is caused by our sin, by the wrong things that we do and the wrong things that we have done. That is what causes the darkness and the wars and the pain and everything else. 
But Jesus has come into the world to be a savior for the world. When he died on that cross, he took your punishment and my punishment for the sins that we have done. And he broke the power of those sins and he provided by the shedding of his blood forgiveness for our sins. So that we could come back into relationship with God. The relationship with the God of joy. The God of hope, of peace, of life, of love. And you can come back into that relationship with God this morning. If you've never had that relationship with God, we'd love to pray with you at the end. If you have had that relationship with God and you've drifted away from him, then we'd love to bring you back to the Lord and help you by praying with you as well. But for all of us this morning, as we come into this Christmas period, the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Life in all its fullness. And he said, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. Some of the moments of our lives are bittersweet, aren't they? Here's a moment after 43 years, Ron and Mary poured their lives out for us here at Gateway and we're able to mark that moment here. This morning, we're going to have a big celebration in June. We said we'd wait until the building came so we could get everybody in together. We're going to have that celebration in June where we're really going to be able to celebrate and honor them together. But we wanted to mark the moment this morning as well. And it can be bittersweet after all of that time. And things are changing and it's difficult in the changing of times, isn't it? But there's also much to rejoice about and to remember with joy. And I remember with joy so many times, Mary, that you have led us to Jesus in prayer and worship. You've broken open your alabaster jar so many times. And every time you have, it's filled the room with the fragrance of the one you love more than anyone else in this world. And we're so grateful because we've grown up in the fragrance of heaven. Our kids, wherever they're at, Mary, they've grown up in the fragrance of heaven because of your breaking open of your alabaster jar, which you've done singing-wise, which you've done in your preaching, which has always blessed us, which you've done in the way you've laid your life down for us, the way you've led your family, your home, and all the things you've done over so many years. Thank you. We are so grateful. And Ron, you've led us to Jesus again and again and again. You've led us back to Jesus so many times. When we're wandering somewhere where we shouldn't be, you call us back to Jesus. When we're getting challenged in our lives and we don't know what to do, you call us back to Jesus. You've led us to Jesus again and again. And you have served the living head by the way that you have led us. You have both brought us much joy. Your children, Rebecca, Bethany, Elise, I know is on her way. Is she on her way home? Tomorrow, on her way home. Lydia brought us so much joy, you girls, really, in so many different ways. And your husband's now with you as well and your families. Husband-to-be, Bethany, we're thrilled for you in so many ways. 
But we wanted just to make space this morning for Ron and Mary to come and share and share their hearts with us. And so, Ron and Mary, we're going to encourage you to do that right now. Thank you so much, Pete. Well, good morning, Gateway. Great to see your beautiful faces. And uh, thank you for that word about joy. You know, it, the Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And as we're going through all this wilderness and all the challenges before us, my constant prayer is, Lord, would you fill us with your joy and let us go through this season we're in and this uh, period, this, this chapter with great joy and, uh, and strength. So I thought it might be helpful this morning to start off with a little bit of history, especially for those of you who don't know Gateway's history. Gateway Church began as Mount Zion Church in the early 1970s. In fact, we still have some people here, uh, Peter and Everell Hagenlocker and Joyce Bardman. They were part of those very early days, uh, probably over 45 years ago. Uh, Mount Zion, or Gateway, was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the charismatic movement. But after a few years, due to a lack of godly character and spiritual maturity and a lot of spiritual warfare, the church fell into terrible trouble. Our pastor, Barney Coombs, from Vancouver, was called on the phone, and Barney flew here to help this church that was in deep, deep trouble. The church went from about 150 down to 16 people. It should have died. But Barney just could never wash his hands of it. And so uh, the church had a destiny from God, but was like a smoldering wick. And every two weeks, Barney would send a Bible teacher from BC. They would fly here and they would teach in the church. And then, for 10 months, Barney sent an interim pastor and his family all the way from England. I graduated from university as a teacher, and I was being discipled by Barney and working at the church in Vancouver at the time. In September of 1978, Barney brought me to Winnipeg uh, on one of his apostolic trips, and we were raking leaves in one of the elders' backyards, and Barney was absolutely frustrated. For two years, he'd been looking for somebody to be the pastor of this church, and he couldn't find anybody. And we're raking away, and in his frustration, he said, Ron, if you were married, I'd send you. I just kept looking down, raking, <laughs> thinking, thank God I'm not married. <laughs> You know, there were two places in Canada I never wanted to live. And one of them was Winnipeg. And how wrong I was. I'm so grateful God knows better. Anyway, five months later, Barney was again in Winnipeg, this time with a prophet from New Zealand. And while they were here, God spoke to them about Ron and Mary coming to pastor the church in Winnipeg. 
Barney flew back. We were at a half night of prayer. It was March 1979. And Barney, we had our half nights of prayer from 9 p.m. till midnight. And Barney approached Mary and I and said, I want to see you after the half night of prayer. I thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> he sat us down at midnight, and he said, we'd like you to pray about moving to Winnipeg and leading the church. And my first reaction was, I'm too young to die. <laughs> well, that began months for Mary and I of up and down and up and down. We couldn't hear God. We could hear God. One would hear God. The other wouldn't hear God. Anyhow, it was, a, it was just a, a terrible turmoil as we grappled with this huge change in our lives. Three months after that, I had a profound and powerful encounter where God called me, put his finger on my life, apprehended me, and I was ready to go anywhere, anytime, with whoever, however, and I was on my way to Winnipeg. And three months after that, I was driving a little U-Haul trailer across the prairies and arrived in Winnipeg in October of 1979. Mary and I were married in January of 1980 back in Vancouver. We went to Cuba for our honeymoon for two weeks. We returned to Winnipeg, and there was a 60-degree difference in weather, <laughs> from plus 30 to minus 30. It was February 2nd. It was the day after Mary turned 21, and I was 27, and we've been here ever since. Gateway met in the Carlton Men's Club on Fort Street on Sundays. Then we started a school, and we met in 61 Heaton Avenue in the red light district, which I really didn't know till we moved in. And then in 1988, we bought six acres of land on Panet Road. We built a 7,500-square-foot building. That's small. The new building we're building is almost 10 times as big as that building. Anyway, it was our home for 33 years. We built and renovated at least six or seven times. We planted two congregations over the years. We experienced several moves of God. We hosted a 24-7 prayer ministry for 13 years and a food bank for over 30 years. God brought many of you over the years, including John and Val Micklefield, who have partnered with us in the gospel since 1989. Now I want to say how much I love the city of Winnipeg. I have traveled all over the world, and every time I come home, it doesn't matter if it's 25 below or 25 above, I feel like kissing the ground, because this is home. This is the place God ordained for us. Living here and serving Jesus and serving you people, Gateway Church, has been one of the greatest privileges of my life. You've become our friends, our family, our partners in the gospel, and you are an amazing congregation. I thank God for you. Is this working? I think there's um, a passage of scripture that really resonates with me right now, and it was written by Paul to the Philippians. He said this, <clears throat> I give thanks to my God in every remembrance of you, 
Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. And you are all partakers with me of his grace. Ron and I, as he mentioned, began pastoring here 43 years ago, the day after my 21st birthday. And our lives were forever changed. And for 43 years, we've grown and grown up, (laughs) literally grown up, together with you, partaking of his grace as the Lord walked with us, building our lives together and building his kingdom through us. You became our sisters. You became our brothers. I wasn't going to cry, but you know, when I preach, I always cry. So you're used to that, right? You became our mothers and our fathers. You became our sons and our daughters. And You really are the only spiritual community we have truly ever been a part of and known. I grew up in you. And as I reflect on snapshots that immediately come to mind, there was so much life lived over 43 years. So many weddings. So many babies born and dedicated to the Lord. So many commitments to Christ and joyful baptisms. So much building and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and reconstructing and renovations. We started a grassroots school with six students, which has now grown to over 300 and is now soon to be moving into a $14 million building. Our first... Our first daughter, Rebecca, was in the very first kindergarten that the King's School ever had. And our first grandson, Jack, Rebecca and Michael's son, is going to be in the first kindergarten right here in West St. Paul in the new build. What a legacy we have here. So many milestone moments of celebration and rejoicing and also so many grieving moments as we said goodbye and parted with some Dearly beloved saints, over the years, we had so many Bethlehem lives. (laughs) Right? There was so much praying together. There was so much of God's unfailing and extraordinary provision every single year as we'd finish out the year. Do you remember? God always met us every single year, and he is not about to fail us now. And oh, such amazing times of praise and worship. Thank you for that. This community knows how to praise. This community knows how to worship. And this community knows how to pray. And you have been the atmosphere of heaven to me. 
So many encounters with the Lord and so much spiritual growth and the activity and leadership of the Holy Spirit in our midst and so much collective devotion and fruitfulness to our God. The good things over these 43 years have been exceptional. And the really difficult and challenging things have been transformational. And so it has all been good. 43 years of good. The good things and the challenging things, all good. And the only thing we feel right now is just the deepest sense of gratitude to God, who in his faithful love has kept us and to you, this precious congregation. The good will continue, and we're going to continue to be partakers with you. That's the good news today. We're not going anywhere, and we will continue to hold you in our hearts because nothing can take you from us, from that place. It's a deep, deep taproot. Thank you for loving and supporting us and receiving us, especially way back when I was 21 years old. (laughs) I knew nothing. I'd only just been saved for a few years. And I want to thank you for being the kind of people that as we raised four daughters within you, you helped inspire them to love the church. That's an amazing church when you inspire the pastor's kids to keep loving the church and to continue to serve her by the grace of God. And we're excited to see what this next generation is going to do. We love you so much. And the best is yet to be. Amen. Amen. We're not finished. Thank you so much. How many of you were how many of you were in Mount Zion back in the 70s? Oh, Jonathan and Carolyn, yes. And Joyce. Yeah, wonderful. And Peter and Everly, yeah, there's a few people. There's some in the south as well. Uh, We're so grateful to those people who uh, have stuck around for so many decades. (laughs) Thank you so much. And for those of you that has joined over the decades, and for those of you who are brand new because you're part of Gateway's new chapter. And I want to take a a minute and just talk a little bit about the huge milestone of transition we're in. If you haven't noticed, it, it is upon us. We're moving from one church in two locations with one senior pastor to three churches in three locations, Gateway North, Gateway East, Gateway South, with three senior pastors. We'll still be one charity, one administration, a central administration, one King's School, and we'll do whatever we do better together. We're working that out. We have one vision to spread a passion for the glory of God through Jesus Christ to every nation and every generation. And that vision will be worked out a little differently in each local church because of the gifts and graces that are present. And the reason we're changing our structure after 43 years 
is we believe it's going to be a more effective way to plant churches, equip the saints, expand the kingdom, and multiply leadership. Mary and I, as she said, will still be involved apostolically through Salt and Light Ministries, which is the name of our family of churches. We're not planning on disappearing, but I will not be part of the Gateway leadership after December 31st. And that's a good thing. We thank God for Peter and Julia and Chris and Meg, the Gateway North Directional Team, the Gateway Elders, as well as the pastors and leaders in Gateway East and Gateway South, the Zazaleks, the Weebs, and the Peters, and all the leaders with them. They are amazing people, zealous for Jesus and his kingdom, gifted, faithful, and godly. We love and appreciate them. God is with them. I believe in them. I am for them. I'm behind them. I'm cheering them on 110%, and I believe they're going to do greater things in Jesus. And we thank God for you, Gateway. You've been a joy to serve and lead and pastor. Your generosity, your service, your commitment, your faithfulness, your devotion, your zeal for God, you've made it a pleasure and a privilege to be your pastor for 43 years. And I want to thank Mary, who has partnered with me for 43 years and carried this church in her heart and her soul as I have. And you may not know this, but God has used Mary to shape Gateway's history more than any other person, including me. She has been behind the scenes prophetically speaking, seeing, revealing, prophesying. And uh, I just want to thank you, my dear, for your partnership. The last time we kissed in public like that was at our wedding over 43 years ago. <laughs> And I want to thank our four daughters. I know Peter mentioned this, but these girls have served the church since they were little. They each had jobs every Sunday because we came an hour early, and I made sure they all had jobs, and they would come and do their jobs diligently every Sunday. And then they would be so patient as they waited for us. We were the last people out every Sunday, and they were so patient. Rebecca and Lydia and Bethany and Elise, who is in England, you have continued to serve and love Jesus' church with your husbands to the present day. And I will always be grateful for your partnership in the gospel. And lastly, I want to thank Jesus. He had a much better plan for my life than I could ever have imagined. <laughs> and what a privilege to serve him. He saw all these things and he sees all that's going to happen in the future. His will is always good, acceptable, and perfect. And I look forward to his next assignment. My confidence as we all go into this new chapter of Gateway's history is not in the past, 
It's not in the presence. It's not even in the future. My confidence is not in myself. It's not in anybody else. My confidence is in the Holy Spirit, who is our all-powerful and constant helper. And I'm confident that as we all depend upon him, the person of the Holy Spirit, and that we keep faithful to the word of God, the best is yet to come. To God be all the glory. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.